Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well on a day where the uh, the other weather's starting to change a little bit. And it's going to continue. Uh, we had a, had a little bit of rain, and there's going to be some more. And then there's going to be some more and some serious wind as well. So be prepared for that. I've seen forecasts for uh, wind gusts of up to 50 miles an hour tomorrow. So uh, be, be prepared for that. We are we're prepared to uh, to hear from you today. We're gonna we, we, we'd love to to hear get your thoughts on anything in the world of sports. But I've got a feeling we'll spend a lot of time talking about last night up in Tuscaloosa, and uh, we, we'll we will uh, get the the expert opinion of of the only one in the room who was there last night, and that is uh, Justin Ferguson from the from the Auburn Observer. Uh, Ferg, how you doing, man? Did you make it back all right in one piece? I oh, was, yeah. I was worried. I was worried about some folks up there at times <laughs> last night. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a wild one, but yeah, uh, just getting back in uh, this morning and um, just caught up caught up in traffic on the on the way. I was in. wondering if you remember uh, over at basketball practice. Was there for a little okay? Yeah. I figured you probably and were. So, uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, I think the best way to put it is that last night's game was like a microcosm of the whole season for Auburn yep. in the most extreme example, which you could hit like. The uh, uh, arguably the best win you could possibly get a road win at Alabama, and you're up big, and a lot of the same problems that you've had down the stretch this season uh, in some of these close games come back to bite you. Uh, even on a night where you shoot sixty percent from deep and you get so many, you out rebound Alabama, you out shoot Alabama. I mean, yeah. you you know, but it's foul trouble. Um, going cold on offense, being inconsistent in these long yeah, stretches. And you had a longer yeah. stretch than usual last night. Yeah. Six minutes, basically? It was seven. Yeah. Right yeah. That's seven minutes. And those two things came together against an elite team like Alabama, playing at home, playing for a lot. You know, they wanted to clinch that outright title on their home floor. And it uh, it got away from Auburn. And then, you know, obviously in, the, in overtime, you, you try to put up your best fight. But when you have guys fouling out like that and, and you're having to just You didn't swing. have any bigs left. You didn't have you didn't anybody have left to rebound. You didn't have anybody left. And so a really, really tough loss for Auburn. But I think it was very much like... Again, it's kind of what we've said about this team all, all year long. They, they bounce back so quick. I mean, they get they get thrashed at Kentucky in yeah. the second half, and they don't look like the same team in Tuscaloosa. Um, so, I mean, they got that's been the thing about this team. What they have lacked in kind of the NBA talent and the smoothness on offense this year, they've been able to make up for a decent amount of it in resiliency and just kind of togetherness. And you have you still have a chance. You you get Saturday against Tennessee. You win. You're pretty much in the NCAA tournament. You lose. It gets really dicey next week in Nashville, and then heading into Selection Sunday. So they've still got a shot. But I mean, that was once again a missed opportunity in a season mm-hmm. full of them for Auburn, and it's the biggest possible one you could have had. Yeah, no no question about that. We will uh, we'll go into it. We'd love your thoughts on it. Uh, Carter's along as well, and. Uh, 
Uh, so, so we've got a pretty full studio with Bill Carter and Justin Drew at the controls. Hour number one of the drive brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline where you can join us by calling 334-321-1390. You can also text us. Uh, and that number is 334-564-1840. And the text box, the drive text box, is brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. So, yeah, 90 to 85 last night in overtime and a uh, game. Um, you know, at Auburn, Auburn led for 26, 27 minutes. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn led forever. 37, yeah. 37 minutes up, up in, uh, in Tuscaloosa. And you lose both of them against probably one of the best Alabama teams you'll ever see. And, you know, the outright SEC champion, potential number one overall seed. That's the thing about this team is that I think the record you know, shows, oh, this is a this has been a tough year for Auburn or a down year for Auburn. It's like I think performances like that, you know, obviously the most important thing is the wins or the losses, but I mean there's a reason why this team is still they've won they've lost, I think it's nine out of their last twelve and they still have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. It's because they play pretty well uh for a lot of these stretches of these games you just can't finish them off well they've lost six games by a total of 26 points yep six games all on the road by a total of 26 points uh had the numbers today that uh in uh, in our in my observations that kind of uh you know kind of set off some people on online but when does it never um <laughs> really yeah uh in those six losses auburn has been called for 48 more fouls and have shot 57 fewer free throws uh and like you said those games have all been decided by a grand total of 21 points yeah uh now yeah carter and i were talking before we came on and i would say now there are exceptions because there are a couple sure. of couple of times last night that i would say oh there's there's no way that's a foul oh, yeah, yeah. i would a lot of the times uh i i would say i would think bruce wouldn't argue with necessarily the fouls called against Auburn, Auburn yeah. it's more the Not fouls the that Auburn doesn't get yep. when they're and when they have the ball. Yeah, yeah, the thing about it is, is like whenever I whenever I say something or write something about the foul disparities for Auburn. I think a lot of people, especially those who aren't Auburn fans, think I'm like trying to make excuses or blaming the officials. Auburn fouls a lot, but Bruce Pearl teams foul a lot. That's right. Uh, that's just they kind do. of I it. mean that's just that's just the way it is. They're that's aggressive the and and they're they're very handsy. Yeah. And you know, you you can play very good defense like that. You're you're going to run some fouls. That's why you need depth. Right, and the th- two things, you just mentioned one of them. Auburn doesn't have the quality depth that they've had in years past, and it's, fair, yeah. and it's really hurt them. And then secondly, um, you don't have the offense to make up for the fact that you may not win the foul count, that you may not win the free throw count every night. Yeah. And I think that's your big difference. maker. I mean, if you look at fouls, just pure pure free throw rate for your opponents, it's about the same as it was last season. But last season you had Jabari Smith. Walker Kessler, mm-hmm. yeah. and you were able to kind of overcome that, and so that's the thing is like when 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 I say or write about like, hey, the fouls are just so out of whack. I think it's more of Auburn's looking at it, it's like if we're running an offense where the four and the five are our two most go to options, how in the world can we not get at the free throw line? Because they feel like they're getting hit, and they're because in the SEC everybody's playing physical defense. Yeah. Oh yeah, unless I mean, you're Missouri, everybody's playing <laughs> everybody's playing physical defense. So. You feel like if you're Auburn, you shouldn't get that. And I think some of it is the way Auburn plays. I think Janai Broom and Jalen Williams, guys who are more finesse big men, they are don't 
draw as much contact as some some power big guys. And I also think Auburn's guards sometimes can put themselves in some tough positions in going to the right. But still, they're getting hit. Oh, there's there's so so many times where uh, where it's not a fadeaway, where it's where yeah. somebody's going up or has gotten, an, uh, especially Janai, getting an offensive rebound and going back up, right. and there's all kinds of contact, and there's nothing called when when you're seeing it on the other. And that's the most frustrating thing, yeah. and that's one of the things that uh, that that just sort of finally set off Bruce last night. Right, and you have the fouls that you have, and you you get into foul foul trouble. You have dudes foul out. Janai fouls off very early in this game compared to what well, he usually he does. Well, was, he, was, he was whistled for fouling yes, out. fouls there in the row. He had three in a pretty quick succession did, early in the second half. He did. He did. It was, the last two, especially the last one, I'm still trying. I've terrible. watched it That's and watched terrible. it and watched it. Let me ask you. The second right. to last one I think is even worse. It's uh, just normal I don't know that it, I don't know that it's worse. Uh, it's it's maybe it's just as bad, but I mean yeah. the last one. There's nothing you can call him for a foul on, yeah, unless I you want to say he was trying to clear out, which he really wasn't doing much of before the ball got there. Yeah, he and didn't the, make nearly and, as much contact as the other guys. Oh, absolutely play. not, Ab- absolutely mm-hmm. not. And and for the game to then be held up ten minutes mm-hmm. for them to go over and look at everything, and Double then text. the the way the way I could tell what was going on is when Janai pulled the shirt up and over his head, it's like they called a foul on Janai. So okay, so here's the thing about that. As the play happened, and they went to the media timeout, and the the little scuffle right. happened. It looked like they had called that foul on Janai, and I remember typing out on Twitter. I said, "I think they just called Janai Broom for a fifth foul." And then the thing, ha- the the scuffle right. happened, and I was like, "Okay, they haven't called it." The official stats did not say that they had done it. Right, after I was review, I was watching I was watching right. it online. So after I mean, the watching review, the so after live the stats. review, they put it on there. They did call it initially. But it didn't go through. Who called it? So that's what um, I was confused. because the the official the official the there one. Yeah, the the official right there didn't call it. Yeah, he yeah. went he went open hand to say ball out of bounds, pointed at yeah. Janai, yeah. and then pointed. They out originally had called it a turnover in the stats because there was just so much confusion. They do the so that was the other thing. The other thing people have asked me about today. Alabama gets two players ejected. Why didn't Auburn shoot free throws? Well, technically, well, it's double tech. The, 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 well, the re- and ejections for guys off the bench do not carry fouls. Right. You not the reason there were free shots. throws is because they said Janai fouled Quinterly, which and then the double tech. Find that one. Can, 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 yeah. Find find where Canceled find where Quinterly was fouled. And that's by and that's I think that's get that's the thing that's so frustrating for Auburn this year is that they feel like with the way they run their offense they should be getting to the free throw line more. Um, that's not the reason why you l- lose the game. You can't blame it all. Oh, there's so many, so many different things. You didn't but, shoot free throws well. Yeah, you don't. I mean, you no. missed two front ends of a one and one, including an air ball that, like, God, in that the middle, bad. in the middle of a run where it only just amps up the crowd even right. more. But yeah, I mean, it, it it has played a huge part in their losses this year. You can't, you, you know, when you see the bout of disparity, it's been fouls. And yes. You know, some a, a decent bit of it, I think, would be is self-inflicted for Auburn, and the other is just you don't really know what consistency you're going to get from officials night in and night out, and that's and what's even tougher for Auburn is, like I said earlier, you don't have that same margin of error that you did last season, where that you can get away with more fouls and you can get away with not shooting as many free throws because you have a better offense. Mm-hmm. This year you don't, and so it, it it becomes more amplified. That issue becomes more amplified, especially in games where it comes down to. A lot, you know, the last couple of possessions, and and you lose down the stretch. But yeah, I mean, Auburn had plenty of chances to still win that game despite all of that. But it does, it is a storyline after the fact. And I think Bruce Pearl, very interestingly, after so Bruce Pearl goes on to radio and has his 
now viral um, right. yep. you know, blow-up about it. He talks to us after the game, and he was calm. Yeah. Now, he said a couple of things that were a little bit oh, more, you could tell more, he wasn't. more intense right. than he usually does. Because Bruce this year, uh, you know, he, he he's a pro. He knows he knows what he can get away with and what he can't get away with. And you can tell there have been some times this year where, where he has stopped himself. He's long paused. Mm-hmm. He's even, like, just not answered a question well, one time because he doesn't want to get in trouble. But there were a couple of things last night when he talked to us where you could tell he didn't raise his voice. He didn't get it, get his animated, but it was like when you talk about that Janai foul and he made a point. It's like they play football across the street here. Well, you are. <laughs> that's, like, that's one yeah. of those things where it's just like, oh, okay. I'm assuming you were back in the interview room yes. when Bruce was doing the radio. So we were we had not gotten back there yet, but we had heard a commotion down there where all the students were reacting to Bruce's thing. We were well, like, when the world happened. They there? were and they were we they were they were they were more than uh, you know uh, enjoy they they were enjoying oh. themselves an awful lot at at Bruce and Auburn's expense and sure. and screaming things that he was hearing and he's watching Alabama cutting the nets and and seeing students yelling things at him and I'm you know. It's it's, it's hard it's not point. to expect oh, yeah. you're you're that that you're not going to hit the boiling point when you felt like that's happened and then they're just you know and it's happened so many actually. games this year yes yeah and it, it just it just everybody's got a breaking point and um, yeah I mean for for Auburn again you can go back to a lot of things they did not do in that game to cause them to lose but also you have a game where you shoot sixty percent oh man they, they did so many things well they did so many so things many really things really well, well. and I, I think that's the thing about this Auburn team is like they're not a bad basketball team I think their record does not reflect yeah. their quality this season um, and that's on them obviously with with the way they finish it but. Alabama's probably the best team in America. Auburn can play with anybody. And they showed that they can yeah. play with anybody. It's just, can you get over the hump? That's, yep. what, that's been the frustrating part. Um, you're going to have an opportunity on Saturday because Tennessee is number three in the net. And they are, you know, they're not Tennessee flawless. needs to win because, you know, there, there's a lot of talk. Oh, they could drop they could drop to a three seed. Yeah. And um, um, they've so. got, they've got you know, their own issue with, you know, Zakai Ziegler now out right. for the year, which is a real. I mean, here's the thing. Ziegler. So Ziegler came into this year. A lot of people were questioning what Tennessee would do at point guard, um, and I know, uh, and I had heard from some folks that like Tennessee was looking to get another point guard in the portal. They ended up not doing it, so there was already a lot of doubt around Zakai Ziegler, I think. And then you know he's probably first team All SEC this year. He's one of the best defenders in the league uh, in terms of his metrics. And so, what does that do? They are bringing some guys back. They're getting some guys healthier for Tennessee, but then you're probably looking at a situation where Viscovi's probably your point guard on on Saturday. Auburn will mostly. I would think Auburn will be down Dylan Cardwell uh, for that game. He he sprained that ankle. Bruce sure made it sound like it. Yeah, and uh, that that becomes a new interesting question for Auburn of what they do with that because you don't play Yohan Treor last night. You do go, you do go small ball. You now go, they went Chris Moore really. I yeah, mean, you went super small ball. Yeah, at and it didn't kill them in that matchup. I was I was a little surprised, of, but then they didn't have Bediaco either. Yeah, Bediaco, one of the two guys that gets ejected earlier in the game. So it's 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 going to be very interesting to see. But like for Auburn, I think it's so frustrating. You know, that's a game. If you win that game, I mean, you're talking about that game for a long time. That's a oh, season yeah. defining win. Yeah, and yet you lose it again. But I think that's the thing. It's like all this good stuff that you did, and I, you can go back to the Tennessee game, you can go back to West Virginia, A&M on the road. All the good stuff you did doesn't go away just because you lose. It's just, all right, can you finally get it going? And they, I mean, it's all in front of them. You get a home game against Tennessee, you win, you're in the NCAA tournament. You lose 
it's going to be a it's going to be a wild you know <laughs> few days in, in Nashville and and uh, in, in Selection Sunday. So this is where you have to be at this point uh, for Auburn, and uh, uh, it's it's funny. I, so this is in my mailbag tomorrow, but I, I ran the numbers today. Um, if they win, if they beat Tennessee, if they won last night, if they beat Tennessee, Auburn will have twenty wins on the season and ten in the in the SEC. Okay, that will be that will have been if they do it. It's the fifth time in six years under Bruce Pearl has happened. You know how many times that happened before Bruce Pearl? Maybe five. Five period yeah. in the entire history yeah. of the program. Maybe. So it's That's like what I was thinking. the step back season, the frustrating season, the season where you didn't really have it firing on all cylinders this year. Is still one of the it's still one of the better seasons you've ever had, oh, yeah. and that's and that just I think that just shows you where the program is coming. I mean, what the program could be capable of still, they've got a chance to make some noise down the stretch. They just they just got to get over the hump. We need to get to our first break of the afternoon. Bill Carter, Justin, Drew at the controls. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety here on the Thursday Drive. The drive continues. 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 The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Thursday Drive. Bill, Carter, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. And before we continue, Justin, uh, just to uh, let everybody know, I mean, what all is up there, and what all they, they can get at the Observer, what you got what you got planned here for the next few days. Yeah, it's been a busy week. We uh, started spring practice, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Um, so we've got a ton of uh, spring practice coverage and basketball uh, mailbag tomorrow, podcast up tomorrow as well, talking some talking some basketball and football. Um, it's the best time to sign up for the Observer. We are running a special from now until the end of A Day weekend. You can get a full year for forty dollars. It's twenty dollars off. Wow! Yeah! It's wow! A, yeah! We had a lot of folks been doing the month to month thing, uh-huh. and because it's you know, and then. No, we're going to go ahead and just go ahead and lock in forty bucks. You can get the whole year, so you get all of spring ball and you get all you're postseason a third basketball off to do that, right? And now. you'll yeah. get all of football season wow. next year, and you get most of basketball season. So it's the perfect time to sign up. AuburnObserver.com. It's March Madness. Yeah, just 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 just, just when we have we have a lot of football up there right now. We're going to have more here in the obviously in the next few weeks, and then postseason basketball wherever this team's going, I will be there. Whether that is you know definitely in Nashville, but whether it's in in the NCAA tournament, whether in Dayton or a first round site or they're in the NIT, we'll be there as well. So, um, AuburnObserver.com, check it out. Everything we do gets emailed to your inbox. Uh, so, all of our newsletters, all of our podcasts on Auburn football and men's basketball, you can get it at the Observer. All right, Auburn 19 and 11 now, and uh, uh, Tennessee coming in. You mentioned Zakai Ziegler out. I wonder. If you know, I thought Auburn matched up pretty well against Tennessee Ziegler, up, up in Knoxville. I wonder now. Played terribly in that game, and if you remember. He did, he did. But uh, Tennessee's Tennessee's going to be bigger now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they'll be bigger on the perimeter. It was mm-hmm. Viscovi and Ziegler. Both were awful from the field. Yeah, yeah. one shot between the two of them. I mean, nobody really played well on offense in that game except for <laughs> Josiah Jordan Jordan yeah. James. He had yeah. a, he had a great game. I mean, there were eighty nine points in the game. Yeah, you know, last um, night it was ninety to eighty five in yeah. overtime. The two teams combined for eighty nine. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, for Auburn, it's it's. Can you do what you did up there uh, in Knoxville? Can you do that defensively at home? Maybe not. Expect to hold him to forty three, but or forty six. But 
you know, play a really good game on defense and then just have your, you know, let your home crowd kind of will you away. I will say this about Auburn. They shoot 60% from deep last night. They had some tough shots as well. Oh, yeah, no uh, kidding. I mean, KD, I thought, I will uh, say really about, shot it well. I will say night. for about 30 minutes of that game, Auburn played excellent offense, some of the best they had all year. It's the 10 minutes they didn't play good offense really, really hurt them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, can you make some of those tough shots? Uh, Auburn has been shooting the ball from the outside better. They have. Down the stretch, the they really month. have. I think a lot of folks haven't really noticed that this because the, the overall numbers still aren't pretty. Yeah, the yeah this ain't, a fi- this ain't the Final Four team, but they are shooting the ball better here. Um, and, and so they're going to need that because I do think, you know, at home, Auburn has the potential to give Tennessee a lot of trouble uh, with their own defense, but also – you know, convert with their own offense, and it's as it's as big as you get uh, as it gets for Auburn, um, according to uh, T Rank, which is uh, does a lot of advanced numbers uh, into college basketball and projecting uh, based on you know you can kind of go in and like put in a hey, what happens if this happens, you know what's the what's the shot there. Uh, right now, as it stands, if Auburn wins on Saturday, they have a eighty nine point seven percent chance of making the NCAA tournament. If they lose, it drops to fifty four point three percent chance, and they will be projected to go to Dayton. Uh, and at that case, as we've said, and Bruce Pearl even said earlier this week, if they lose on Saturday to Tennessee, you absolutely have to win your first round game in Nashville, and you may need to win that second one. Well, as I think well. you do, but you but you cannot lose that first round game. And I was looking today, and Auburn's going to finish seventh in the SEC. It looks like it, it looks, looks like just about. Win, lose, yeah. they're going to finish seventh. They're going to be the seventh they seed, miracle. that is. They need a miracle to get to six because it's like that's dependent on, like, I think Vanderbilt losing Ole Miss or something like uh, that. Van- I think it's Missouri. Van- Missouri Ole Miss. Miss. Yeah, yeah, I think it's dependent on, on Missouri, Missouri Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. That's yeah. right. And Missouri? Like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I was looking at it earlier. If you're Missouri, you got to feel pretty good about getting that sec- that last double bye because oh, yeah. Kentucky's on the road at Arkansas, Tennessee's on the road at Auburn. You need one of them to lose because you have a tiebreaker against both of them and against Vanderbilt. And if you just beat Ole Miss at home, you don't need that much help to get to lock up that fourth double bye. No, no, they they yeah they they need uh, yeah they just need Auburn and Arkansas to win. That's it, and them to win. Well, they uh, all they need is one of them. Because they're they're they currently have the tiebreaker over they're, both they have tiebreaker over both Kentucky, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Oh yeah, all three okay. Of them. And so all they need is one loss out of Kentucky or Tennessee this weekend. No, and, no, and no, no, no. Kentucky, Tennessee are a game ahead of them, so they both have to lose for them to tie them. But yeah, but right, right. They, see, but they Missouri both, beat them both, right? It doesn't and matter. Missouri. It doesn't matter if there's still a game behind them in the standings. See, they're ten and seven. And Kentucky, yeah, and Tennessee, Kentucky, are and Tennessee and both have to lose. So they Auburn both have to, to lose for Missouri to move into Arkansas a tie has to with be, them. Beat Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they need Auburn and Arkansas to win. So it's still not out of the realm of possibility at no. all. No, 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 not at all. And uh, yeah, I, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough. Right? I I did see kind of yeah. where Auburn was projected to. You know, seven. You could be potentially looking at Florida. Could be. I think it's more likely Mississippi State, and I don't like that. I don't like that. All right, because you look here. All right, uh, because um, Florida. Let's see. If Florida has LSU, Mm -hmm. so Florida probably wins. Florida should. If State loses, they're ten. Yeah, and State's guy. State has. um, State has Vandy. State's at Vandy. Vandy coming off a really So that's big what win. I mean. So I mean I'm thinking that it's likely to be Mississippi State and that's not a good matchup. No. It's not it's not you would probably I'd much rather play Florida. Florida without Castleton for yeah. sure. Um yeah. But then I mean who knows? LSU I mean who knows what LSU's gonna do. That's the thing. That's a it's the thing. I mean, Saturday you want at home. I know it's Tennessee. I know it's gonna be a tough game. 
obviously, but like man, Auburn needs to beat Tennessee need Saturday. They really, you really need this do. One. And uh, this is the one thing about this team, I think, is when they've been in like need, must win situations, they've done well, mm-hmm. and they've been able to bounce back from. I mean, think about how many crushing oh, some defeats, gut wrenching yeah. losses, and they pop back yeah. up at practice the next day and get back to work, and they go to the next game, and it looks like. It looks like it didn't even bother him, didn't even phase him. Hey, it's, it's all about just getting in. If you yeah. beat Tennessee, you're going to be in, then don't worry about what the record is, and you just get out there and, and play. Yeah, I mean, get to that 20th win. I think that 20th win will be a huge data point for you. Ten in, in, in the SEC. That's another quad. One win. It's mm-hmm. not going to be very many teams. The, the thing that it's helping Auburn more than anything else compared to these bubble teams is they don't have very many bad losses. Uh, they, oh, yeah. They don't really have a terrible loss, but that Georgia one's probably the worst one that they've got. And Vanderbilt Vanderbilt could continue to climb up, especially with the way they've been playing here recently. So for Auburn, you know, it's it all comes down to that big game against Tennessee on Saturday. And you know you know exactly what what can happen if you if you win that game. You don't want to leave it up to the committee's chance. No, not at all. Whatever the draw looks like in Nashville. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in. Give us your thoughts. 334-321-1390 here on the Thursday Drive. Some more yardage on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Come back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill Carter, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, and Drew at the controls. We'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise? Uh, yeah, Justin, it, uh, um, with with everything else that's gone on with the, I mean, with basketball last night, it's like, oh, yeah, we started spring football mm-hmm. uh, this week. Auburn has practiced twice, yep. and we'll practice uh, for the final time for the next 10 days tomorrow. Yeah, it's... Uh... Big start for Auburn here in, in spring ball. Early start, obviously. But the weather's cooperated for them, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about tomorrow cooperating. Yeah, that's <laughs> good point. Uh, at least the first two days. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing that I that took me, I don't know, on the field, and there's some stuff that stood out from, from what we've seen and heard so far, but I think the one thing, you know, I, I, we've talked a ton about the new football facility and how big of a deal it is. It really kind of, you know, coalesced for me in my brain when I was out there on on Monday and I was walking around. I was like, "This is the first time I've ever covered an Auburn football practice." Where I was like, "I didn't feel like I was in the way or I was." Oh, there cramped. was so much room. <laughs> those two open, those two full size outdoor fields. And that's a game changer. Everybody has room to operate. There's an offensive field. There's a defensive field. There's so much more room to operate, and it's just like, oh wow, I can see how. I mean, I can see how it helps my job, but I don't matter. I can see how it helps these guys out there a ton to be able to have that room. I don't know. I don't know. You you, you have to. You, you're going to have to move around. We we're, we have to move around more. You can't watch everybody as easily now. Not as easily, <laughs> but like I, I do like that I can be able to kind of. Oh yeah. Float I like a lot. you've got a U. Yeah. That you can, it's, a, uh, just... it's such a good thing. So 
Um, but, you know, Hugh Freeze just coming out on Monday and just talking about, like, very, very clear and very honest. Like, hey, guys, like, you know, this is about learning who we've got and then sorting it out. Like, mm-hmm. we reject, he said there is no depth chart and Bill. I've already got one. Bill's already got but one. But it'll change the next it'll time change. I go out and there. That's the other thing. It's like there, like, there are, there is an order when guys go, well, right? Well, you, you have to start somewhere. Right. That doesn't mean it's going to be the same the next time. And, and I don't, and, I think it'll change And I think more importantly for Auburn, it's it's in this spring ball when you have so many new players and so many new, new staff members members you're in a situation where you're you may have a depth chart but everybody's going to get a lot of reps right there's there's, tre- there's tremendous incentive for all the players right now um i was thinking about this we, we mentioned this in the last day or so that the two returning coaches are at positions where you don't need to be learning. I mean, you know more about those guys. I mean, yeah. Zach in the secondary. Yeah, specifically with the safeties. Yeah, and, and Cadillac at running back. I mm-hmm. mean, okay, you, you want to, you, you definitely want to look at Brian Batie. I mean, you want to see, you yeah. know, Damari Austin's progression and things like that. But the positions where there is so much competition, or maybe there have been guys that are, that are here and, and haven't played that much. Yeah. It's it's a fresh start for them because they've got brand new coaches who've never been with them before. No, it's it's and we've already seen a little bit early on just how some things might shake up. You see, like Tate Johnson and Jaleel Irvin playing guard instead of center. I mean, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. to that to me, I thought that communicated a lot. I mean, obviously Avery Jones, they went and got Avery Jones for a reason, right? You know, two year starter at center at East Carolina, Illinois really wanted him and, and had him, and then you pull him off like you you bring that guy in to start this oh, year yeah. and, and move on and then already you're looking at a guy in connor lou you're already looking at it as they're training up the, the future, next the next man guy. and and, mm-hmm. and so you know if you're tay johnson or if you're jaleel Irvin, okay center might not be in your future this year and they've got a guy in connor lou that they're already training up to be the guy because yeah. he he was such a good recruit at that position so why not get a move out to guard and see, hey, I mean, those guard spots, you think it's Cam Stutz and J- Jeremiah Wright, but anybody can get it at this point in this in, in this battle. And so um, you you just you just roll them out there and see, see what they can do. Maybe it's too early, I guess, to ask this question, but for y'all that have covered multiple Auburn staffs, how does the vibe around practice and media and all that compare to the last staff and the previous staffs that did y'all have covered here? Well, the staffs usually get along. What I was impressed with, Justin, was how this didn't look like a group that had that most of them haven't been together out there on their first day. Mm-hmm. It it looked like they everybody knows what they're doing. Yeah, coaches yeah. and players. Yeah, had a and, had a really good idea of what was going on. Yeah, and I think there's the, it's this that. It's that cohesion when you have guys who've been here before, guys who've been in the SEC before, and guys who have been with Hugh Freeze before. I mean, I think that that gives you a base level of familiarity that you can work with if you are this coaching staff. Um, and uh, I just, I, I was really, I was really uh, taken aback by just kind of like, okay, wow, the the amount of movement and, and just kind of. Um, you know, just just who all was getting looks at, at, at certain mm-hmm. spots on on that first day, which is what you go out there and do. Um, and then I wrote about it. You can read it at the Observer. I wrote about it for Tuesday on our newsletter. But like the other thing that stood out to me is, Dadgum, they are big at wide receiver now. Good grief, <laughs> they, um, they are big. Period. I yeah. mean, when we got the updated when we got the updated uh, roster, um, a half a dozen three hundred and forty pounders. I mean, uh-huh. your your defensive front's going to average around three hundred with the guys that are coming in, and and they're not they're not the uh, 
uh, 300 with the gut hanging down that look like they're they can't ass. move around. They're, they're big everywhere, but you're right. Receivers, yeah. especially with Rivaldo Fairweather working with the receivers there on the pass routes. With, moving around. With, with yeah. Fairweather, a, a trim down Landon King and, and Fairweather, three six five plus guys that can move. Cameron Brown at 6'4", mm-hmm. or 6'3". Like he's, he's, Cameron Brown looked really, really good. Nick Mardner, 6'6". Six, six. Like this is a... It's a group, that first group of receivers, you bring out Javarius Johnson and Coy Moore. It's like, oh, those are your top two guys last season. Makes sense. And then it's like big guy, big guy, big guy with them. And then you have some more that you're trying to develop. I was impressed with the way they caught the ball. I mean, they're, they were throwing the ball. They weren't lobbing the ball. I mean, they were, they were putting as much zip, I thought, as just about I as saw Rivaldo high point a couple of good throws. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's just that. And I asked, and I asked uh, Hugh about it on on Monday. It's his track record is big guys at receiver. You go back to, you know, guys like uh, Dante Moncrief, and uh, you know, obviously Evan Ingram. Um, you know, and then that 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 run towards the end where they started bringing in guys like DK and you know AJ and and and, and guys like that. Um, you know, Dawson Knox. It, he is a firm believer in getting bigger dudes to play. Because you have to, like, you're not going to run wide open. And I and I uh, looked it up. The top eight receivers in the SEC last season, according to Pro Football Focus, in terms of yardage, only two of them were guys that didn't really t- t- make a lot of contested catches. And that was Jalen Hyde, who just ran by everybody in a scheme in Tennessee where they were so successful in doing that. And the other one was uh, Lab McConkey, who all he does is run wide open because of all the attention mm-hmm. placed elsewhere at Georgia. Everybody else, you have to be able to get a good number of contested catches, have that have that catch radius, have that physicality, that length, when the coverage is tight to win those one-on-one matchups. And last season, Auburn did not do that very much with their receivers. They didn't do that as much the year before. Really, Seth Williams has been the last guy that has had a good amount of targets and catches that are contested. Can they find one of those? They need multiple of those. But can Camden Brown... I mean, Cannon Brown had two or three contested catches last year. He only had nine on the year. Right. So it's like you can see where him and Martiner and Fairweather can end up bringing that. You add that with what you're bringing back, some of the smaller guys and the and the and the and the speedier guys. You want to have an all around balanced uh, passing attack to take that next step. Auburn's had some good quick receivers here these last few years, um, and then you're obviously going into the Gus era. They haven't had as many of these big possession guys, and so they're trying to find and develop who could be those guys. Landon is another one, like we were, we were talking about, and we'll we'll see how uh, we'll see how the transition goes with with some of them. But you could tell automatically. You go get Nick Martiner, you go get Rivaldo Fairweather, you put Camden Brown, a guy who did not get a ton of playing time under the last staff, to immediately just be in and like that's a dude who's like with the first group automatically. I I, that, I think that speaks volumes of what their plan is mm-hmm. and what their vision is. Uh, in the passing game, yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it. I thought it really. It. It, it was funny because um, Hugh said it sort of had a fall camp feeling to him, mm-hmm. and it. And it did. I mean, it looked like oh, they've been doing this for a while, and there were also there are also more players. I mean, there's more players than we've ever seen scholarship wise out at spring because of the situation that we've had. I mean, Auburn's got eighty something players on scholarship out there practicing right now, and that's unheard of. It's usually about 60-something, you know. 
Yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a crazy amount of guys that are here right now and then working in it and I think everybody just kinda knows it's clean slate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you come in and say there is no depth chart and everyone's gonna get about equal reps and you know that there's new systems in place. So like what might have you might not have been a fit or you might not have been as good of a fit in this spot under the last staff, but maybe you got it now. I think some of those big dudes on the defensive line make sense. That offensive line, really good reviews early on from that. It's it's one you know a couple practices, but a lot of people you know that I had heard from said like they were pretty impressed with how the offensive line was kind of moving and operating because that new blood that you bring in from the transfers makes a difference early on, and I think they're going to be able to kind of help bridge the gap that Auburn's trying to do, trying to trying to cross with their recruiting. Sounds like Avery Jones has been a guy who's impress people in that building already in his short time on campus it's hard, it's hard not to i mean this is a dude who uh dude started a couple seasons at east carolina and had really good numbers there um you know and east carolina is a pretty good program uh and then you know you have a guy in dylan wade who played for his offensive coordinator right you know and so he, he, he's got that familiarity i think he's going to be able to jump in pretty quick and pick yeah, th- things those, up. those are two guys i feel like unless something crazy happens yeah there's your left tackle and there's your center and then, yeah, what do you get? Gunner Britton, you would imagine, would probably start. But I'm interested in him and Isaiah Miller as well. I mean, yeah, I was, I was interested in uh, – we, we, we've had a, a couple of chances, a couple of opportunities to talk to Jake Thornton. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he went on – and I've got some – we've got some audio that sometime we'll run here. Um, but uh, went on about about Miller. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, he was such a big deal when yeah, they got him, and and he how uh, he's been looking forward to seeing him for eleven months, and and he's changed his body into the type that looks like an SEC tackle, and then he talked about Gunnar Britton being a very versatile guy. So uh, I I think a lot of folks had just assumed, all right, oh, yeah. Wade and Britton are going to be your tackles. Miller may move inside. It may, I mean, it, it's, it's early. Yeah, maybe Gunnar Britton who who might move inside if you need. Um, but I mean, that's a great that's a great situation to have. Somebody who has started that uh, that that could give you flexibility there at guard or tackle. Man, you're continuing to develop the future. We talked about Connor Lou earlier, but like you know, what's going to be the next wave? Is it with with Colby Smith or some of these other tackles? That's that a large guard? young man. Golly, he's huge. He is so big. <laughs> I'll tell you who else is big, and we knew he was big coming in. But uh, Justin Jones. Yes, Justin Jones is one of the only people I have ever seen who can who can look at. Uh, Look at look at uh, Jason Jones and just be like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we got it right here. Uh, it's you know he is, I think he's heavier than Jason. I think on the on the on the yeah, Justin I think Rogers, he is. I, I think he say. is. Yeah, he's. I think he's three forty. I think he's one of the three forty guys. Yeah, and um, I think he may have an inch. Short, I think he's an inch shorter than Jason yeah. is, but maybe a little bit heavier. I also love that he just like he's three forty pushes his. Bulldog social media all over social yeah. media. It's like, please go go follow my dog on yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> he loves that dog, uh, and uh, yeah, he, he's gonna be such a weapon for them. Uh, and then you have uh, who they're calling Mo, um, Nasila Kite. Um, yeah, he's, he's a little in. lighter than he's. He, he's, yeah. one, he's one of the light guys. He's two eighty eight. Yeah, <laughs> and very much an end in this in this yep. system. Lawrence Johnson's a big de- a big dude as well. He is. Um, but they needed that, and then you look at it. You you return Marcus Harris. There's a lot of belief. McAllister carries two seventy something yeah. pretty well, doesn't he? He doesn't look like he's he doesn't look like he's that heavy. And those Jack linebackers, you have a lot of skinnier dudes right yeah. now, and so yeah, having having some of that extra bulk, especially experienced bulk on that outside, will help. Uh, but yeah, I, and I, you know, I keep. I mean, I don't have to feel like I have to say this, 
Um, but I will anyway because of how big of a deal he was when he came in. But like, keep an eye on Jeffrey Embaugh. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who are really high that like on him and his fit in this scheme um, is a big deal. Marcus Harris talked to us yesterday talking about how technique wise. It's night and day from when he arrived because again, this is a dude who's yeah. fairly fairly new to football, um, and he's and he's playing and handling himself more like a guy who can play in the SEC. And so, um, you like that potential. And we talked about it not too long ago, Bill. But like, you also feel like they will actually rotate dudes on the defensive line. So yeah, I sure hope so. We just named seven, six, seven, eight guys on the defensive mm-hmm. line look impressive, and it's just like you're going to need all of them and probably more um, if you want to survive. Uh, and it's just. What happens to that Jack position? How do you develop his inside linebackers? Are those big questions? Um, but like even a position group, like you go look at corner with Crime Dog, and he's got four scholarship guys out there, and you're like, man, that's that's not very many. And then you think there's like seven coming in <laughs> in yeah. the summer. But you, what a, what an you've, op- got, you've got four, but you've got but you got serious experience, and you've got some nickels who are working with right. the safety right now who could kick out there. Keontae Scott being being one of them, um, man. Uh, what an opportunity this is for both J.D. Rim and Kay and Lee. Mm-hmm. That you're you're behind two guys that mm-hmm. thought they were going into the NFL potentially. They're back, and but you're getting second. T- I mean, quote unquote, second team reps right now for that. And for a guy in Kay and Lee, I mean, a lot of people thought he was going to be a big deal when he came in. And I think you know he's 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 received a lot of respect from his older teammates early on, and I, they'll 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 replenish the the ranks at corner this summer and develop start developing those guys but man that's a huge opportunity for rim and uh lee because as we know you can have two starting cornerbacks in the sec but you need need i I think you need three really good guys you can rely on and not counting dudes who play nickel or star or whatever Mm -hmm. like i think you need three guys and so between jd and k and like that's going to be a lot of fun to watch we need to get to our final break of hour number one we'll continue our conversation we'll talk a little more football but anything on your mind, love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Eight minutes away from 5 o'clock, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Terry is up first. Hey, Terry. Hey, Bill, Justin, how are y'all today? Pretty good. How are you, Terry? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to harp on Wendell Green, because Bill and I, you and I are never, we're going to have to agree to disagree there. I think there's plenty of evidence out there to prove he's the most selfish and egotistical player that Auburn's ever had. But anyway, I'm going to ask a football player. He has struggled. Uh, I'll he say is, this. Yeah. He has really his struggled. Shot, his shot is way yeah. off, and he took a lot you, of you them know, last he, night. Well, and, and they were inside. They weren't, they weren't all threes. He only took two threes last yeah. night. I looked, and he is, in his last four games, he's 13 for 52, and yeah. that includes a 6 for 12 against Missouri. Yeah, it's so now, look at the three worst opponents and what he's done. Look at the three best opponents and what he's done. I think you'll ha- I have answered any question you want. Um, Football, the Fairweather, the guy you were talking about, Justin. Yes, sir. Is he, is he one of those guys you can see it down on the, on the line at tight end and a big receiver? Yes, both? absolutely. I think okay. I think they look at him, and you go back to what he did at FIU too. I think they look at him a lot like uh, what 
Hugh Freeze and those guys have done in the past with guys like Evan Ingram and Dawson Knox, where you are a tight end, you can't put your hand in the dirt. But there, and we saw it. He Bill, can run though. Bill, we saw it the other day. Um, there are some sets. They're already working on bunches and, right. and 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 certain sets where he is going to be kind of a big slot receiver for them. So very I versatile. Would be, I would think he'd be a matchup nightmare down close. Oh, for sure. You're going to have to try to put a nickel or a, or a linebacker on a dude who's 6'5 and can run. And that's the thing about Rivaldo is he played on a really bad team last year at FIU and had good numbers. Especially you, at the end of the year. And you look at FIU, it, they had one of the worst passing games in the country, and yet he still got his. I think that shows you mm-hmm. the amount of athleticism, the amount of talent this guy might be working with. It'll be an adjustment to make it life in the SEC, but uh, you know, he's got physically he's got everything you want in that kind of position. I know it's a little before your time and Carter's time, but Rufus French, Bill, I know you remember that. Oh, name. yeah, absolutely. He was the guy that I, I always thought the guy that could catch past the tight end position, just, just productive no matter what they did with him. Oh, yeah, the so. Tubbs, Tubbs really tried to get him out of Mississippi, couldn't do it. Yep. Right. Right. Uh, running backs wise, is, is it pretty much Jaquaz Hunter and that's it? Well, you got Jarquez. You bring in Brian Batty, who is going to be a weapon for you this year. He's 5'8, 160 pounds, but he can run like a deer. Um, he's, he's, he's very versatile as well. He's yeah, a the, great return man. One yeah. of, he was an all American. Nice, yeah. Yeah. All American kick returner two years ago. He returned three kicks for touchdowns, uh, at South Florida two years ago. And he ran for 150 on Florida this yep. past year. Ram for 150 on Florida. He's a great change of pace. I think Jarquez, you've got Damari Austin, you're bringing in Jeremiah Cobb. These are guys that are really good between the tackles. They obviously can, can have some speed and pop to get to the outside. Batty is going to be one of these gadgets that they can use. And you look at Hugh Freeze's history, he's had some good track record with, with little running backs. Go, go back to mm-hmm. Jeff Scott and some of the some of those other ones like they, they've had Ole Miss. So, and um, I think he's a guy that can dis- disappear behind this new Auburn offensive line. It's a lot bigger. <laughs> That's what Scott did. Return, yeah, return, fans remember. The return game will be great, too. Yes. Jarquez, oh, yeah. you know, taking that pressure off of Jarquez, I think, would be a, a big move for Auburn this year. Appreciate it, Terry. We are up against our top of the hour break. Halfway done here on the Thursday Drive. Come on in and join us. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. I'm Kevin Winter, round one of the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill this afternoon and finishing up right now. The story is John Rahm. First off, here's John Rahm's season so far. He wins the Century and Tournament of Champions at Kapalua. He wins the American Express in PGA West, the stadium course in La Quinta. He then wins the Genesis Invitational a couple of weeks ago. What does John Rahm do today? Rahm is playing the 15th hole, two shots back at three under par in round one. Chips out, but gets up and down for par. Then on 16, eagle the par five. 17, birdie. 18, birdie. John Rahm comes home. Four under par over the final three holes at seven under. He will head to the second round with a one-shot lead over Kurt Kitayama, 
coverage tomorrow of the featured groups, including rum and the featured holes, will be available on ESPN+. Light night in the association. Lakers are not one of the four games that are in action. Lakers do say LeBron James is going to be reevaluated this foot injury coming up in three weeks. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Hope everybody doing well on a uh, a damp Thursday. It's uh, n- not not that bad though. We needed something to sort of please wash some of the pollen away. It's been crazy how uh, how it feels like mid spring here uh, in well early March we are now. But welcome in. It's hour number two of the Drive, and the second hour is brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline, Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text us on the drive text box. Brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, and that number is 334-564-1840. Let's get uh, right to the Kia of Auburn hotline after I let everybody know who we've got here in the studio. It's Bill Carter, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, who was in Tuscaloosa last night for that overtime. That was a great ball game. Phenomenal game. It was a one, great one ball of game. The, one it's, of the best games I've ever it, covered. It hurts terribly for Auburn fans sure. and for for Auburn to, to have lost that ball game playing so well against a team that uh, looks well on its way to a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Wrapped up, the one SC, yeah, wrapped up the SEC regular season title last night. 90-85, Justin was there, and we welcome your calls, and we'll get to them starting with John. Hey, John. Hey, Bill. This is a – yeah, I'm talking, I, that's actually what I was talking about was a game. Uh, I didn't see a – the only part of the game I saw was when uh, Jalen hit the opening three, and then I went to uh, do a household chore. And when I came back, I looked at the score, and Auburn was ahead by like eight points. I said, "Ooh, damn!" I said, "I ain't gonna jinx them," so I didn't watch the game. So next thing I need, uh, know is uh, they lost, and uh, you know I, I saw them had a big lead, and I was like, well, "Maybe they'll hold on." And then I saw it tied up, and then uh, slipped away in overtime, but. uh I read Kevin Skarbinski's article today, and he he wrote it. He wrote it and described the game as basically a clash among titans, and basically uh, compared it to the '83 uh, Auburn Alabama Iron Bowl. Is what it sounded like. And uh, so, my question is: Do I need to rewatch this game, or is it just going to be painful? It's going it, to be painful. Gonna be painful. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna Even be the painful. good stuff Auburn does yeah. in this game, knowing that it doesn't last, is going to be is going to be tough to, tough to swallow if you're if you're an Auburn fan. 
So I didn't expect Auburn to be competitive in that game. I expected us to go in there and probably get beat uh, 10 or 15 points. And uh, we've still got to beat Tennessee to assure a uh, NCAA tournament berth, correct? Yes. Yeah. I mean, if they lose, if they lose on Saturday, they're going to have to do some work in Nashville and maybe and maybe get a get a favorable uh, a view from the uh, tournament selection committee. And, and something to keep in mind is uh, I heard a couple of national folks talking about this today, in that the committee is going to start uh, they're, they're going to start working Wednesday morning, if not Tuesday night on seating and 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 said that's one of the things they did the same thing last year and that's why they never had texas a&m in and they weren't going to have texas a&m in unless they won the the tournament auburn's in a different situation than that but you don't want to be in that position where you're on the outside and they're already going ahead and filling out the bracket where you really have to do something you know perhaps playing for the conference uh title well what kind of shot do you give auburn beating tennessee at home Realistically, it's though. it's a 50-50 game. I think when yeah, you look at if you look at the numbers, I think Tennessee is favored in some places by like one or two. Uh, Auburn might have a little bit of a bump just because they're playing at home. Also, Zakai Ziegler, uh, Tennessee starting point guards out for the year, so they're going to have to adjust to that. Um, but I mean, it's 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 going to be a game where it's going to be super tough, obviously for Auburn. They're going to have to play well, but you're at home. You've got everything in front of you. I mean, you you know what this win can mean. It's the last home game of the regular season. You you got to put it all out there if you're Auburn. So uh, it's definitely possible. And I think I think the team that played against Alabama last night uh, can beat Tennessee at home for mm-hmm. sure. And I think um, I think Auburn is has got to find a way to put it all together uh, in in a in a favorable environment. You know, the crowd should be a, a pretty fun one uh, for for that one. And and uh, no you got you got. You got everything on the line. I mean, it's do or die. And the one thing about this team that we were talking about earlier, Bill, is like this season, no matter what happened in the last game, they usually bounce back pretty quickly. And yeah, it's been amazing to, to see. It's been yeah. So that resiliency is going to have to come. They need they need to pull it together one more time yeah. uh, to to get in. From my perspective as a fan, uh, it seems like the teams that we're we're bigger than we we handle pretty easily. And, yes, but teams that are bigger than us, they handle us pretty pretty well too. So. Yeah, team, Tennessee's got some big dudes. They do. Tennis, uh, teams that do a good job of getting to the free throw line because of their size and rebounding well because of their size, especially on the offensive glass, have given Auburn a ton of trouble this year. So um, Tennessee will give you some more of that. But I think if you're Auburn, you have to look back, at, back on the film uh, from the Tennessee game in Knoxville and say, hey, at full strength, we held Tennessee to, to 46 points on their home floor. You got to do a whole lot better on offense. Mm-hmm. And you probably should at home, but – you should at least have some confidence that you know that you can match up with these guys on the defensive end. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all's time. Thank you. Appreciate the call, John. 334-321-1390. And Floyd is up next. Hey, Floyd. Hey, good evening. Nice to talk to you again. Uh, and spoken to you in the last two hours. Yeah, it's been at least a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I was talk, calling about the, the basketball game last night because I figured I had the brain trust there and y'all could answer a question for me. I, because I, 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 I've watched basketball for a number of years and sometimes they change the rules and maybe I missed something. But I, I, as I understand it, last night they were two Alabama players and an assistant coach who were ejected from the game for for leaving the bench area mm-hmm. during a 
skirmish. Is that correct? It, it was. Uh, they they were ruled. Yeah, two Alabama players uh, for sure. I know. And then two cross midcourt. They cross midcourt, and that's what and that's what they, they got ejected for that. That is a rule. Okay, and that and and under that. Under that rule, that is a, a flagrant two. Is that correct? Actually, I looked it up today in the rule book. According to the NCAA rule book, if you leave, if you're not in the game and you leave the bench and you and you crawl, you know, you're ruled to have left the left it during a fight, but don't actually fight. Um, that is an ejection, but no technical foul. Uh, free throws are awarded, and so I know there was some confusion about that uh, last night. But yeah, I, I went and looked it in the rule book. In that instance, they don't give technical free throws. I don't know why, but that's that is how the rule so is written. It's just an ejection. It's just a it's just an ejection of a player who wasn't in the game, and, and apparently an assistant coach too. Yeah, uh, and so I mean, it, all of those it did not it did not result in it, just because of the letter of the law. It's a weird rule because usually most ejections yeah, no or texts mm-hmm. come with some sort of free throws, but that is why Auburn didn't shoot any free throws after that last well, night. Right. Well, that that does answer my question, and, and, and I'm going to renew my my further complaint that I've had for for years because we have the technology and there's no reason why we live in in the ice age still. <laughs> Uh, why is it not that the officials do not have microphones to explain what's going on? That is weird because because in the NBA they do. Yes, yeah. in the NBA, the NBA they do. Yep. In, the, in, in, in football, college obviously. football they yeah. do. They've got it in college baseball now. Yep. They've got. It. I mean, it, it's it, that's it, a great it's point. It is the game, but why do we not have it in in, in college basketball? Yeah, it's not because it's, they can't. Absolutely. And and, and 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 what infuriates me is is a guy that that pays money to get. Uh, uh, season tickets and all that kind of stuff is, is when the officials go over to the TV. Yeah. If you're there, you know less than the people on. watching like, it on hey, TV. Paid, they're sitting on their butts on their couch at home. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> right. I mean, even, I'll, I'll say, even the broadcast was a little bit confused when they came back and action started and they're like, I guess they just caught a fifth foul on Janai Broom after the whole scuffle. Yeah. Like, they were still confused. It wasn't I, very I wanted an explanation on that too. I, yeah, I still, I still want to know when that foul. So I, I guess the foul was called before they went mm-hmm. and took the long break. I didn't have any idea, and I don't think, and the announcers obviously didn't have any idea that that had happened either. Yeah, I don't think is- Bruce had an idea because Bruce looked fairly. Uh, you know, comfortable during that long break until right at the end. And and that was another problem I had. And you said it there was long break. That there was absolutely no reason reason for that, for them to, to break up the, the rhythm of that game at that particular point at to, to go to there and and do that. I mean, it, it just, yeah. What like there was a fight. I mean, no, no, it was just a little skirmish. I mean, but yeah, it, it was a it was a super long review, and then they come out of it saying, "Hey, oh, we got a couple objections. Oh, you know, double, you know, you know, double tech here." But that, and then it's just still a foul. It's just I. It was it was a mess, and but that's that's just kind of. I've come to expect that from college basketball officiating, which yeah. is sad because it, it is. is a it is a sport that again, like you said, is 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 well behind. All right. Well, y'all have a good evening, gentlemen. Good stuff, Floyd. Thanks for the call. Another point. Another point that uh, that Floyd made about being in the ice age when it comes to college basketball. Again, I don't get it as well. 
College basketball is still the only basketball league on the face of the earth that still uses two 20 minute halves. Yeah. Don't, oh, I've been, I've been on that you know, forever. Women's college basketball yes. made that move. And also, Every level. I mean, from junior high, high school, um, you and know, know, women pros. And, and I know not, uh, not everybody's in favor of this rule, but also a thing that women's college basketball does that I like is time, timeouts advancing the ball, you know, in late game situations, right. which just makes for better basketball usually. Um, but yeah, it's just like, why? Why is the men's game the one that does that? And then, I mean, that's a that's a great point also about why don't we hear? Why do we have it, to rely? Why do we have to rely on a game of telephone? It would speed from, things up too. Yeah. you know, instead of instead of having to come over and explain to the announcers, go ahead and announce out there on the court. You, you know, games are lasting longer and longer. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see all the rules that it are coming hilarious. in for baseball. Yeah, and now basketball games are going two and a half Man, hours. And they're talking about football. You know, changing a bunch right. of their rules with timing. It, it is funny. Uh, you know, uh, why I don't know why college basketball, you know, the time slots from TV has it for, you know, two hours. You're not getting a game in, in two hours. The not SEC a, Network at least goes two and a half. Yeah, yeah, you should be able to space it out by two and a half because you know that's what it's going to take. You know it's uh, that's what it's going to take most most nights. But so. two hours, you're always missing the start or the start or the game starting over on ESPN News or whatever, yeah, things like that. It's like, forget Forget just pretty, pretty rough. giving two hours. 334-321-1390. That's the uh, Kia of Auburn hotline. And, uh, Daniel. Let, yeah, let's let's get back to it. And Daniel is up next. Hey, Daniel. Hey, guys. Um, I was listening to the caller before, and y'all were talking about when Janai fouled out. So, I've, I mean, I've rewatched that play multiple, multiple times with uh, lots of Auburn fan accounts posted on Instagram and stuff. And the rest did not call a foul. His hand is just up. not not, not the official in that picture. Shit. No, you're right. That's why I asked. That's why I asked Justin who was there. I can't remember who called that foul. I can't foul. remember which of the referees it did, but I do remember when the play happened. I I looked over. I looked over at the guy who was sitting next to me. I said, I think they just called number five on 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 Janai. And then the skirmish happened, and everything kind of cleared, and they settled it. And I had I didn't forget it, but I was just like when they came back and later said, "Hey, we've we've made the you made that the call." I was like, "Oh man, they they ended up actually going back and adding it." But yeah, no, the one who was how right could there you, did not how call could, that. How foul, could you right? look at the video and still call that foul? I don't, right, I don't know. and that's it's, what it's I was, unreal. Can they? Can they look at that video and call or not call a foul? Because I know sometimes you can. No, you, you shouldn't like, be able to go back and add a foul in. Right. So they did call it. It was just it didn't register until after the review for some reason. But, yeah, I mean, I do remember okay. them thinking, like, okay, I think they just called number five on Broom. And so after the review, I said, well, maybe maybe because there's a lot of confusion. I yeah, was and, like, they, well, and, they, and they stood over there. They, they maybe they did. The maybe it was forever. the official stats had it down as a common turnover, and uh, we were sitting they're like, okay, well, maybe it was just a, maybe it was just that, and then they went back and said it. So, yeah, it's not a late game situation or anything where you can kind of change any of that. Um, so, but yeah, it was it was a call that there was, it was just so poorly communicated and so poorly executed that there was so much confusion there. But yes, there was when the play initially happened, there at least was one referee who made it look like he had called a foul on Janai Brewer. And and to Floyd's point, that would have been so much clearer. Yes, if they could have said. The initial call is this, we're reviewing blah, blah, you know, and so you'd have an idea what, what the heck is going on. But it was a bad, yeah. oh, it was a bad, bad call. It was, it was, it was a, it was an interesting night, I'll say the least, but I was, I was really proud overall of that fight, of the fight that we showed, because, I mean, 
getting curb stomped to Kentucky like that and then coming back and having to play at Alabama, that we we showed a lot of fight and a lot of heart. So I was really, really proud of us, and I hope we can do the same at Tennessee or uh, come Tennessee on Saturday. But War Eagle, y'all. Appreciate it, Daniel. 334-321-1390. And Tex is up next. Hey, Tex. Hey, Bill. How y'all doing? Doing pretty well. It was great to see y'all yesterday. Wish we had a little more time, but I understand. And uh, I thought in the beginning when Floyd said he was watching the basketball game and then said brain trust, I thought he was going to quote Cindy. Because <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> she was watching the game with him. And I went to the baseball game. And it was such a great memory uh, helped out by you guys uh, to have three generations of Morris men, uh, Papa, Dad, and a three-year-old who got to go to his first Auburn game. Well, I mean, three was the magic number last night, wasn't it? Three three run homers in the first inning? Uh, yes, <laughs> and he, he said, Papa, hit like me. <laughs> So, you hope. Thinking that that's what, yeah, I hope he does hit that way. So it was it was a special special night when you get to do something like that uh, with your with your children. So I appreciate the fact that y'all took care of Maverick. He was so proud he walked in with his ticket himself and showed it to everybody. Wow, that's cool. So uh, next next thing, I didn't watch the ball game. I will tell you, for about thirty or forty five minutes, or the basketball game that is, thirty to forty five minutes there. Uh, no one even knew what was going on at the baseball game. They were only watching their phones and watching the basketball game. <laughs> I have to admit that was not me. I was paying attention to the baseball game, but that's because that's my favorite sport. You're watching a whole uh, lot of offense too, from what I oh, from yeah. what from what I heard. Uh, yes, yeah, not a whole lot of pitching either. Uh, <laughs> so that's a whole other story. Uh, and it got a little iffy there for a little while for our for the good guys too. But you know, I did get to hear. Coach Pearl's post game, and I don't know what the ramifications have been today or may be, and I really don't care mm -hmm. because that is a coach that stood up for his guys, said he's not going to tolerate it anymore, and something had to be done. And without a question, he's correct with his use of the word joke. Uh, I look back in the multiple games that we have. Yeah, a minute ago, somebody said. Big teams give us problems, or teams that get to the free throw line. Doesn't everybody get to the free throw line more than we do? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really it, good it, point. And so it, it doesn't matter what size they are, but it just seems, and, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, theorist whatsoever, but I have a real issue when officials in any sport make it about them, not about the game. Mm -hmm. And it appears to me more and more basketball officials are have to be buff. They have to have their hair combed back. And they have to make sure there's some situations where they get a lot more TV time. And I've seen that in multiple games going across. I think this is an official issue. I don't think it's a player issue. And I think it goes across every league. And I agree with Coach Pearl. They're a joke. And they get paid very well to be a joke. So uh, normally I'm not for really getting on officials, but I think Bruce Pearl did exactly what should have been done last night, and I commend him for that. So, I appreciate the time. I'm sorry I'm dry. I'm about to start driving up and down the hills at the lake, so <laughs> I'm going to lose you here in just a second. All right. Good All right, hearing guys. from you, Tex. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.
We'll get to our first break of hour number two. Jeremy, hold on. You're up when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Carter, Justin, Got uh, Drew at the controls. We have calls holding, and Jeremy is up first. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, guys. First off, thank you for the baseball tickets last weekend. That was that was quite a treat. Um, Good. Glad you enjoyed them. Uh, me and me and my two littles. I got an eighteen month old. And oh yeah. A, and a and a four year old. I I had to dad it up by myself <laughs> at there at the game with with those. Man, that's there a double go. handful. Yeah. Hey, listen to me. It was it was nine. And we made it all nine yeah. innings. And enjoyed every second of it. That's um, great. Awesome. Basketball officiating has got to be the hardest thing in the world to do. Mm-hmm. I look, even going back to like high school playing basketball, nobody ever likes basketball officials. Nope. It's the most <laughs> it's the it is the most inconsistent sport to officiate. Mm-hmm. Styles of play styles of play. It it it's it's just almost impossible. College Basketball officiating, especially at, at the big levels, I, I don't care if you watch a game that you're not a fan of. It's almost impossible to know trip to trip up and down the floor what's going to be called and what's not. Yeah, um, and it it's it's absurd. I don't understand. I don't know why. Um, I I would love as much as much as we like to rag on Steve Shaw for the football officials. I would love for somebody that's in charge of some official somewhere mm-hmm. to come out and, and give some explanation as to yeah. what what are we trying to accomplish. Yeah. There is one of those for SEC basketball. as a guy who used to be a Final Four ref uh, for a while. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I, I did look it up today. Um, and they he is the coordinator, and he does – you know, he, he, he facilitates all the communication between coaches and teams and referees and sets it all that up. But a lot of it, I think, with basketball, just because it is, you know, you don't have SEC officials in basketball. Guys will call right. a lot, you know, all these games. And so I think it is it is a, a lot more kind of, I don't know, it's just more nebulous for everything to kind of, kind of uh, get sorted out that way. And so you don't have this, like... This is an SEC official. This is the guy. No, what's crazy is, I mean, you watch you watch a lot of college basketball. You see the same officials, you oh, know, yeah. uh, on consecutive nights in completely different parts of the country. Uh, by the way, yeah. I, f- I found out something last night. One of their uh, Don Daly co- covered uh-huh. the game last night. It was only the third game he's called all year. Is that right? Yeah. You want to know the other two uh-huh. were? You know who the other two were? Who? The Alabama at Gonzaga game in Birmingham and hmm. Kentucky's loss at Alabama. He has called three Alabama games this year. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's all, interesting. That's, all that's really interesting. You yeah, know, they only bring him out for the big games, huh? <laughs> and, and he doesn't leave. He doesn't leave that that Tuscaloosa Birmingham corridor. Like that's huh. all he's going to. After after the talk of officiating and all that stuff, twenty six to nine. That's what we were outscored in the last nine minutes of that game right. in, in regulation. Yep. That can't happen. It nope. cannot yep. happen. I don't. I don't care if we've got Leor, um, KD. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't care if it's the smallest guys 
and, and walk-ons out there on the floor in the last nine and a half minutes of a game, you cannot get outscored 26 to 9. No. No, and, and and it's a and it's a both ends of the floor thing. We talked yeah. about it earlier. If for all the good that Auburn did on offense, you you can't have then you just start you turning the ball over. You can't have you a know. stretch where you miss yep. eight straight shots and turn the ball over yep. like four times in three minutes. You do that, I mean, it's it's as bad as the defensive stops that you it's, fail to string together. Well, my, my thing is that that was the most exaggerated one all year, but that's gone on all year right. for us. We've yeah. Had yeah, it has eight. Every had game, there's a three or four minute stretch. Yep. You're and exactly I, I don't right. understand it. That, it. It's one thing if it happens once, and if it happens, uh, you know, a second time, maybe. What What do we do different to make sure you don't blow that lead? Yeah, I mean, it's it's when you are when you are so inconsistent on the offensive side, mm-hmm. side the offensive end of the floor. It's just you can't have you can't have those those things stringed together. And you were talking about timeouts. They caught a couple, but it yeah. never really seemed to fix anything on offense. But there, there weren't a whole lot of changes. No, really, they weren't just trying to. Yeah, and I it's guess, just, just and, to stop it. and and down the stretch they hit a couple of buckets, but I mean it's just you had a lot of just empty trips, and it wasn't just that it was that they weren't scoring or they were turning over. It just it was so hard for them to get any sort yeah. of of good mo- movement. Whereas on the other end, with no especially with no Jani Broom on the floor for Auburn after he fouled out. Alabama was just getting the matchups they wanted, getting to the spots that they wanted, and getting and, to the rim. Yeah, yeah, getting to the absolutely. rim for sure. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Let's get. Uh, do we still have Dan? Yes. Yeah. Let's get to Dan before we get to our bottom of the hour yes. break. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. Uh, another day watching a, a similar story yeah. with the basketball. But, yes, uh, this one like more exaggerated. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the most like, extreme version yeah, of Auburn basketball. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm not just talking about three different plays, and obviously the one play where. Where uh, Broom jumped up, had the ball in one hand, and and the other guy grabbed it and yanked him down, and then threw him down on the ground and threw the ball at him. To me, I, I think worst case you should have called a, a jump ball because you had two mm-hmm. guys with the hands on the ball, and it wasn't until he threw our guy down. <laughs> I, I mean, can't. I mean, I, I mean, I can see, I can see that that more. I can see that more than a foul on Janai Broom. There's absolutely no yeah. foul on Janai. I can see out of bounds. Because I thought it was unbelievable. Because I thought for sure Quinterly was out of bounds. When you watch that and watch it and watch it, both of his feet were in bounds when he when he slammed the ball off Janai. So I can see them calling it. All right, it's Alabama's ball. But there's no no way that there's a foul on Janai. Okay, and this in the second play, Janai he, he blows by his guy. He's got a two handed jam, and Brandon and uh, Brandon Miller goes and he goes and blocks the shot. And you can say it was close whether he hit his hand or not. But his whole body slams into him and knocks him behind the whole backboard and knocks him over completely. I just don't know how you can't call a foul there when, when yeah, maybe you got the block, but you just totally crushed the dude over. I mean, you know, so that one kind of drives me crazy. But the one that nobody's mentioned yet, and, and, and we sat there and we watched it like, like three or four times, me and my brother, the last foul on Jalen Williams uh, oh, in overtime. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, they showed it a side angle and a regular angle, and he jumped up to block the shot, and his body did not touch. No, no, it might have looked like it was that. That was an assume. That was an assumption that oh, that's probably going to be that's probably a foul. Yeah, but if you don't I mean, know I mean, that it's a foul, yeah. don't blow the whistle. Yeah, I mean his hand is maybe five inches from the other guy yep. coming straight down. He never touches the guy. Nope. No contact it's not even at all. Close. No, uh, and it's not even close. And I'm just like. 
You know, they wonder why we're mad. They wonder why we're bitching and complaining. <laughs> it's just like when you're doing stuff like that, I mean, you, you basically t- kicked out our two best guys, the two guys that are, are kicking their butt the whole first half down low. And you know what? That's part of the reason why they came back. The Absolutely I mean, it is. It's a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle that our guys even hung in there. You, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Caldwell, you know, gets hurt. You know, but I mean, it's just like... It, and was fouled. There, I mean... It's just insane to me, and I've heard me complain about it all year long. But it's just like, you know, if you're Pearl, I, I can't blame him for being so frustrated and, mm-hmm. and upset. It's like, it's like, man, it's, it's just like Pat Dye said, hey, if you need one yard in Tuscaloosa, you better get three. You know, it's like, well, if you want to survive, you don't 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 defend because if you do anything that could be considered close, then it's definitely going to go against you every single time. It's like, you know, I don't know, just frustrating. Yep. But, you know, I honestly, I hope we get to play them again because I think if we get a different set of referees or a different place, different location, I think we'd probably beat them. Anyway, appreciate it, guys. Appreciate the call, Dan. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Stick with us. Uh, Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. On the drive, the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 20 minutes or so here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill Carter, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, and we've got calls holding, and Greg is up next. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing all right. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I, I listened to a little bit. I guess everybody feels about like I do. I ain't going to beat it up much. But that, uh, we got up on them. I was watching the game. I, it's this, uh, I don't know, guys. I don't want to be. I don't want to be like this. I, I don't want to be like this. But uh, and I'm not gonna say the rest. But I, it seems like to me, people gotta ask to grind against Bruce Pearl. I don't know if that's just me or just I don't know. It just don't. Uh, some things just don't go that way. If Auburn, if Auburn don't just come out there and put the whipping on them, uh, if it gets close, it just seems like we don't get them calls and. Uh, Watch it, you know, when you got three your, your better guys on the bench fouled out, it's obvious what was going on to me. And, and watch it, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking how certain things foul. I mean, I played ball, I've coached ball for years. Uh, that that right there was by like Bruce out a joke, and I'm gonna leave it at that. So you know, it's been that kind of year for us. Uh, they'll bounce back, and you know, I hope these guys are resilient. Um, we got a chance, you know, play Tennessee. Let's, let's, let's get after them and let's go to the SEC tournament and, and, and make some noise and, and do what we got to do. Us against the world. Ain't nothing changed. But uh, what are y'all hearing out of practice, guys? Y'all hearing any other news? And uh, I just want to hang I, I wasn't gonna. I ain't going to beat the drum. But uh, let's kind of see what y'all, y'all been hearing on the recruiting trail. Or, uh, also, what's the possibility next year on our basketball team? What's that looking like? And, uh, I'm going to hang up. And listen, I just kind of want to know who who might be bad, yeah, who might be coming. Yeah, that's a good question. That. 
All right. War Eagle, guys. Yeah, pre- appreciate the call. Appreciate the call, Greg. Uh, cut the other mics on, Drew. Yeah, there we go. Hi. There. Um, yeah, so uh, for Hoodoo, Hoodoo would be coming back next year. We were talking about this a little bit um, during the during a break earlier. Um, Zeb Jasper is the only one who's guaranteed not to be back next year, who doesn't have He's a He's the only year. one that doesn't have the option of right, being to come able back. to come back. You're bringing in Aiden Holloway, who McDowell's All-American, uh, five-star point guard in some places. Dude. Uh, Auburn fans wanting to see some shooting come in. I mean, Aiden Holloway is going to bring you that kind of shooting. He is a he is an elite shooter for his age, um, and so and then it comes down to what happens with your seniors, and so um, it's going to be. I, I think that's what's going to make for a very interesting weekend coming up here. Jalen Williams, Alan Flanagan, and Stretch Akinbola, all seniors who have the option to come back. Uh, I did see Stretch. They did post a video earlier of Stretch talking about thanking Auburn for his four years here, right, and all that. I think it would be. More, I would be very surprised if he's back next year on a, in a scholarship capacity. Then it comes down to Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan. What do they do? Do they go? Do they decide to come back and play a fifth year of college ball, or do they decide to you know what go on, move on, and, and start playing professionally? I think they could both make some money. They both definitely next could. Year. I think both. I think Auburn could benefit from bringing both of them back yeah. as well. You would love to have either of them. Um, so, and then everything just kind of shifts from there. Um, then it would have to come down to for Auburn, it's who decides to come back <laughs> on uh, on the team that may or may not be a starter. And we see this pretty much every year, especially now with the transfer portal, guys leaving to go get playing time somewhere else that they might not be getting here. So um, I, there's always somebody like that. There's a Devin Cambridge or a Javon Franklin or a Turbo Jones or you know all these all these type of players. There's always one of those. Um, and then sometimes there's a Davion Mitchell. Yeah, sometimes there's a Davion Mitchell. And you, sometimes you get multiple ones of those. So I think there might be some things just kind of freeing up. But a lot's going to hinge on what those seniors do, especially you know Jalen and, and Allen. I think that's where things kind of move right, on. So Auburn there. already has one spot because get, they only had 12 on scholarship. And that's year. what I was about to add. They also have a free scholarship <laughs> that they did not use this year to get ready for the NCAA, um, to get ready for the, you know, to get the NCAA's punishment kind of complete um so there is you can look at it they've got one so they can guarantee bring in one new player and then it just depends on who else leaves like i said stretch is probably on your way out so it's two at the very least you see what happens with Jalen and al and then then you go from there um, then, yeah then when you go the other guys who you know you, and then you see and it's going to no be a fluid there's a there's a fluid process mm-hmm. but i do think you're going to get to a point when the transfer portal opens and Auburn looks at their at the way things are going, and you know, their, with their roster, they should have some flexibility to go ahead and go after some big names, and not have to worry about oh, we're going to get too many guys, we're going to have to run one of them off, you know, or you know, something like that. I don't think Auburn's going to have to be in that position. You know, you've got a couple of spots, and you there have are a couple, couple of spots needs, and you have you have really some really big needs you can play with. So, um, I, it's going to come down to again, Jalen Williams and Allen Flanagan. If either of them decide to come back for a fifth year. Uh, if not, those are open spots, obviously. And then I would just look at the bench for Auburn and look at them and say, okay, maybe who could come, who who might be able to to make a move. And I'm not ruling out anything for you know anybody else. It is the transfer portal era, but usually you see guys who may go get some playing time, more playing time somewhere else. It's just only natural. It happens pretty mm-hmm. much every year. Devin Cambridge is a perfect example. Guy oh, yeah. was not going to start. Now he's you know starting every game at Arizona State. Uh, and his brother hit an insane shot the other day yes, to, to beat uh, to beat Arizona. So is it, that that is going to be natural to happen. And uh, Greg also asked about football, right? Yeah, just uh, 
little thing, anything. I mean, they've only practiced a couple mm-hmm. of times. And they'll they'll go in pads, I guess, for the first time tomorrow. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, we we've we've got to talk to a couple of assistant coaches. Obviously, you freeze, and then uh, we had a few players yesterday. Um. Keontae Scott. It was interesting. They were, uh, Zach Ather was talking about that that nickel spot, the star, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's a it's a nickel position, but. Ron Roberts' defense usually uses a lot more, uh, those guys a lot more in blitzing, uh, a lot more run support responsibilities. They're going to be a lot more active than just necessarily a nickel corner. Uh, and he said he's kind of got 1A and 1B right now with Keontae Scott and Donovan Kaufman as a position. Like like we said with corners, you need multiple guys. You can't right. just say we only have one, here's our starter, here's who you got. But then hearing Keontae yesterday talk about that, you know, adapting to this defense and really feeling like he settled and found a spot mm-hmm. at that nickel spot is interesting because on the outside you feel pretty good. Nehemiah, DJ, um, you've got two great corners. You're developing more in J.D. Rim and, and Kay and Lee. So that nickel spot and Jaylen is Jalen Simpson has found a home. Jalen Simpson yeah. is a safety, a capital S safety. Uh, that is, he played a lot better, I think, there last year mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. At, at safety than corner, and that is a home for him. He has settled. Uh, and um, it'll be interesting to see what else Auburn kind of fills in around with him but uh you do if you're Auburn you do like uh you do like the 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 potential of a secondary that can rely on so much experience but also get that next wave going and, and even giving some of those those guys playing time like a, like JD Ram Kane Lee some of those young safeties as well. Oh yeah. Uh let, we'll we'll get back to the phone and before we get to our final break and James is up next. Hey James. Hey guys. Um just a few things. I I couldn't agree with Anybody, any more than that's already said about the basketball game last night. I think the officiating was atrocious. Um, I I know that's the old adage, don't blame the refs, but you know what? It's got to stop. I mean, you know, we talked about that a couple of years ago. They said they were going to penalize anybody that worked for the university that would comment on officiating judgment call or call the officiator, officiator, uh, the referee had made. Here's my problem. If we're not going to be serious about this, and what I mean by serious, if we're not going to check their bank accounts and make sure they're not betting on these games, uh, that rule is really kind of stupid because you're going to have people doing this stuff. And then, you know, it's like I said a couple years ago when we talked about this, these coaches, you know, you could cost them their job. I'm not saying it's going to cost Bruce Pearl his job, but. Another coach might not be as lucky, you know, to have that opportunity. And you throw a bad call his way, that might be the call that, you know, gets him fired. You know, I just I think the NCA needs to rethink this because if you're not going to be serious about these refs, I don't. I, it's not ever going to get fixed. It's just going to get worse. So I've, I've, I've always dreamed. I've always dreamed or hoped that. Uh, that that the NCAA or or one at one level will uh, will will finally ask officials to be accountable to to be able to to sit before mm-hmm. the press. Yeah, I mean that's I mean, something at no level. And I understand. Look, uh, you know, and we've said oh, that you know sometimes you you you, um, you don't want to know who the officials are because if you do, then then usually it's not it's not good because. They're they're putting too much of the focus on themselves. Well, how about a little focus on them 
uh, so that they can explain what's going on. Floyd had a great idea, and I, I agree with it 100% a little while ago, that they ought to at least explain, have mics like, like in other sports, like football officials do, and explain what they're calling so you know what's going on. But, uh, you know, it's, it's way too much to ever expect that they're going to, uh, uh, be asked to, to sit down and, and take questions from, you know, from the media. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'll talk to y'all later. Appreciate the call, James. We need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join in as we uh, head down the home stretch here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of The Drive here on this Thursday. Bill and Carter and uh, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer has been in again, uh, made the trip to uh, Tuscaloosa, and uh, uh, you're, you're, so you're you're going to follow the basketball team wherever they go. Wherever they go. I mean, the only two trips I didn't make this year were Mexico and West Virginia, and that's not to say anything about West Virginia <laughs> or Mexico for that matter. I just couldn't make it for those trips. But, yeah, no matter where they end up, um, and I'll be in Nashville next week for the SEC tournament. And uh, whether Auburn is at a first-round side or they're in Dayton or we're talking about coming back to Auburn for the NIT, um, we'll be here. And so a lot of coverage on the Observer. Uh, and like we said earlier, uh, we're running a deal right now. It's just a full year for 40 bucks. Um, yeah, you heard right, folks. Yeah, it's a usually 60 It's 40. Full, Yeah, full, full year for 40 I mean, do the math. It's six dollars a month mm-hmm. or forty dollars for the year go ahead and get somebody you. somebody didn't didn't figure that right yeah first. well well I mean, here's the thing you is got that, painter doing the math oh or yeah we, yeah there's painters doing the math but also <laughs> it's the thing though it's just that uh you know we've we, we had some folks you know come come in for just a few months and obviously no let's go ahead and lock you in for a year uh and uh like so right now you will get all of our spring football coverage all of our postseason basketball coverage you'll get the whole summer you'll get all football season you get pretty much all basketball season next year for 40 bucks cheapest deal we've ever given y'all go for it uh auburnobserver.com sign up there all right so you you have um you you've seen have you seen everybody in the conference live yes okay um here we are we're heading into the into the last mm-hmm. day of of sec basketball on on saturday um as you look ahead toward the tournament let's uh i mean we've talked about auburn all day but is there somebody you think has got a chance to uh, to sort of make a surprise run in the tournament? I didn't watch their game last night. I don't know how surprised it, it's. I'm going to say the same. It's not going to be surprising, but I don't want to play Kentucky right now. If if I'm yeah. if I'm a lot of these teams, I don't know if I want to play Vandy right now. I, Vandy Vandy's a great point as well because. Vandy Vandy's is a, won what six out of seven or something like Vandy, that, and Van, it's, I know it's not on their home court, but it's Nashville. Yeah, Vandy they run such good stuff. They've got a big man who draws more fouls than anybody in college basketball, and blocks as many shots almost as anybody in college mm-hmm. basketball. Uh, you know, he, he, but the way Kentucky played, and again, I, I didn't I didn't watch the game, I don't know what happened. I think Kentucky wasn't at full strength last night, but. That Kentucky team when they're firing, man, like they've yeah. got again defending national player of the year. 
Um, several five stars out there. They're they're really coming into their own. They're a great offense. They've been one of the better offenses in the SEC pretty much all year long, and I think they've really started to figure some things out on defense. Um, so yeah, but Vanderbilt, like Vanderbilt, is a team you're not going to want to cross paths with for sure. I think a lot of the other ones that you see have. Of, of the teams that aren't the top ones, you can see that they have some flaws or have some like certain matchup issues. Vanderbilt will be a problem for a lot of teams. Kentucky will be a problem for I a lot Arkansas of teams. I think Arkansas is one that I would I consider, keep too. Thinking, I keep that they keep got thinking, the talent. If, like, if, when they put it together. They were not very competitive against Tennessee the other night, even after Zayn no, went was down. Weird. That was a yeah. shock. I thought they were putting it together. Just had, it just has just, not been, it just has not been their year. And obviously, like, you know, a and M is going to be a team that everybody doesn't want to face at this time of year. State, I mean, State's another one. I just feel like it, just because their defense is going to let them compete with anybody. Um, but I mean, I think if you're Auburn, you go into this tournament and say we can hang with anybody. If we can do that on the on on Tennessee and Alabama's home floor, I mean, why can't we do it on a neutral site? And so just just hope that they're going in with the that sort of the the burden off their shoulders. I mean, they, yeah, need, they need to take they care of business it. Saturday. Yeah, this is this is a need. This is a need kind of win. Yep. If you lose, you're not out of it for by any means. And I think just with the weakness of the bubble this year, and you haven't really seen here in the last couple of weeks, you haven't really seen a team really make a huge charge mm-hmm. up, which has helped Auburn out a lot. I will keep an eye, keep an eye on a couple of things when it comes to the bubble if Auburn gets into a nervy situation. Number one, the Mountain West is probably going to be a team, a conference that gets a, two, maybe three bids this year. The other one, Florida Atlantic is currently – projected to be an eight or a nine seed they've had a great year kt harrell by the way doing it doing a great job down there uh, in boca raton in his first year florida atlantic is like i said eight or a nine seed projected if they don't win the conference yeah, they usa win the, the, yeah if they don't win the conference usa tournament florida atlantic will probably still get it anyway and the conference usa will take two teams uh-huh. which will steal a spot from one of those one of those at-large teams on the bubble so yeah those are two tournaments and two conference ends of year. mount west has been great basketball this the, year by the way i think mountain west is rated higher right now than pac-12 and maybe mm-hmm. higher than the acc at the moment um but um that's going to be a multi-bid league that's usually not a super high bid league and uh Conference USA, keep an eye on it. Another one, I guess, I mean, which I know is, it's not very likely this could happen, but if one of these other schools in the WCC wins that tournament besides St. Mary's, Mary's exactly, that yeah. steals another one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because both of those are at-large teams. This yeah, is the, Auburn, doesn't, Auburn doesn't need to be watching and holding yeah. their breath. This is, uh, I believe, I believe Kempom had a thing. It was like, uh, I think it's a 70% chance that either St. Mary's or, or Gonzaga wins the West Coast tournament this year. That is the lowest that has ever been uh, coming into a tournament that uh, for for those two outside of those two teams. Um, they've got some they got some talent out there, especially Loyola. Oh, Loyola yeah. can beat anybody. Justin, great stuff as always. One more time, uh, how do they you know, how do they find out? Yeah. Get the info. AuburnObserver.com. Sign up. Like I said, forty dollars for the next year if you sign up uh, today. Everything we do gets emailed to you. All of our podcasts, all of our newsletters. You'll get one of each tomorrow morning.